Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Fans from the Stands. It's your co-host, Mickey, and I'm here with Ivan. Hey, guys. So another week has gone by, and I'm going to be completely honest. We were going to do this podcast yesterday, and uh, it just got delayed. So now is is Tuesday. I think the day today is the 23rd of March. And I was going to be the, procrast- the procrast- procrastinator. Pronosticator. There we go. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> Uh, of pronosticators and uh, looking to the future of a, a few things. So on today's episode, and I'll tell you about that in a second, in today's episode, we're going to talk a little, little bit about, obviously, the Blue Jays. Uh, we've got some bad news today. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, their farm system ranking, uh, Guerrero's uh, hot start, some, uh, some things we've seen from the Jays since they've been on TV lately which has actually been really nice to see, but we're actually going to start off and then we'll, you know, our usual go around the, around the horn, mention a couple of things out of, out of the Royals, uh, which is some surprising news there. A little bit about uh, Otani from the angels. And then we're, we'll finish it up with our uh, blue chip and dip segment with uh, talking about Woods Richardson, uh, the uh, pitcher for the blue Jays. Yep. So let's start it off with, I think I, I think I jinxed it last week. <laughs> the injury bug. <laughs> the injury bug. So what happened today, Ivan? Well, um, we got some news. Uh, Kirby Yates uh, looks like he's going to be heading in for some Tommy John. So that's never a good thing because that's at least one season, and they only signed him for a season. So that kind of sucks because uh, we basically lost our closer. Yeah, you know, exactly. And I know they've said uh, lately that the Jays aren't going to have their typical closer. And we'll talk about that, I guess, after this injury thing, how the Jays are going to use their bullpen this year. But so Kirby Yates, so yesterday I was preparing and and getting ready for this podcast and doing a little bit of research. I think I researched this podcast more than I ever did any research in school. (laughs) Sorry to my teachers if they're listening. Uh, But I'm listening, looking at his, his injury was called yesterday was called a flexor pronator strain. So if those of you who are really curious, and if this ever pops up again, now you'll know there's a tendon just outside your elbow, just the inside part of your elbow. And it controls uh, the ability to have strength in your, in your wrist uh, and the flexibility uh, therein. So if you're, if you're trying to hold the ball, if your palm is face up, you won't be able to have a lot of strength in that, uh, especially the left side of your hand. And then if you turn your hand over, that's where the injury, that's where the strain comes in. So if you can picture, if you're holding your arm out, palm up, and then turn it over, palm down. That's where the strain is, right? So imagine if you're a pitcher, it's exactly how you use, excuse me, it's exactly how you use your arm, right? When pitching. Well, uh, I looked at a couple articles and uh, I, you know what? I had a feeling, I don't know about you, Ivan, but I, I had a bad feeling about this anyways. He'd only pitched one game in spring training. Yep. And, and, and whenever you hear flexor, that just kind of sends alarm bells going. Yeah, especially with a guy who's coming off an injury, right? Yeah, he had a bad bad injury uh, last year. Right. So I, I watched a YouTube video from this doctor in the states, and he was talking about this flexor pronator strain. He's a he's a uh, actually a sports uh, sports medicine doctor who deals a lot with pitchers, and he said uh, this injury is usually not misdiagnosed, but usually leads to further investigation. Uh, if you look at Steven Strasburg, he was actually diagnosed when he had his uh, torn UCL uh, a few years ago. 
this this injury was what he was diagnosed with first, and then a couple of days later, Tommy John. And what happened? Kirby Yates diagnosed with this thing. And I was gonna say yesterday, I was gonna say I this is where the procrastination. I can't say that word. You know, I was, this is where the prediction. I'm gonna say that instead. This is where the prediction comes in. I was gonna say book it right here. I'm gonna tell you right now, he's gonna need Tommy John surgery. So I wish we had recorded this yesterday. I would look like a genius. Now yeah. I'm just like I'm making it up. So that's a Kirby second Yates. Tommy John surgery now. Yeah, that's that's tough, man. I, I and you're right. We've only signed him for a year. It, it was an incentive laden contract, so we're not losing a lot. No, um, but I we don't we're losing that that potential of having a big arm out of the bullpen. Uh, so moving on to more uh, more injuries for those Blue Jays. We'll we'll just go with the minor ones first, then we'll work our way up again to the major ones. So Julie Mer- Merriweather is back, but he did pitch. Uh, a bullpen session or sorry, a simulated game, I guess a couple days ago. Yeah. So he had 34 pitches. He's okay. Hatch has got right elbow inflammation. Yeah. That one I was worried about cause that didn't look good. So we'll see how that, that turns out. I'm, I'm not too sure where he's at, but they're, they're optimistic that he would be uh, playing earlier in the season. So did you watch the, uh, that highlight of him yelling after he threw that pitch? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did not look good. I thought for sure he'd be out for the season, but hopefully, well, you know, pitchers in their elbows, you, you never know, right? And it's, yeah. Let's hope it's just a minor thing and he comes back. Big Nate Pearson. Yeah, his oh. uh, re-aggravated groin. Right. I, I told myself I was going to lay off the Reese McGuire jokes this week, so I'm not <laughs> going to mention him pulling his groin again. Uh, but that's another – and groins are are, are, are tough. Or those groin injuries, if anybody has ever had one, have you, have you ever had one? I have. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, right. Uh, I've, you know, I've played goalie and I've tweaked my groin and then, you know, it's really hard to get, it's such a, cause you you just got to lay off it. Yeah. Right. And you just, you can't push it. And uh, that can, that flare up can happen again and and it happened again. And so he's gone. I'm trying to look at the silver lining here. Maybe he's still, so he can save his arm. Yeah. So he's supposed to throw a uh, bullpen session in the next few days. So that's, that's a good sign. That's good. Yeah. So we'll see. Hopefully it doesn't re-aggravate it again. Let's hope. Yeah. Um, I hope this isn't a recurring theme for this year, right? I yeah. let's get the injuries out of the way first, and then he can uh, continue his development. And then Robbie Ray, we find out, was carrying his child down the stairs and fell. And fell. And the only way to block the fall and was his elbow. And to be all honest, to be completely honest, you know, this we joke about it, but... Uh, I'm glad his child's okay. Fine, he did everything he could to protect his child, which is great. Yeah. I mean, obviously the child's healthy, so that's the most important thing. And he bruised his elbow. So so hopefully it's just a bruise. Yeah. And, uh, you know, after the swelling goes down, he can return to baseball activities. There's no there's no structural no structural damage. Yeah. Let's hope. But the big news we got today, do you want, so, do you want to break the news? Our big signing of, this, of the offseason, uh, George Springer is... Uh, He's out with a grade two oblique sprain. And I don't know if you realize this, but the oblique is a necessary muscle for swinging a bat. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a update for all these non-baseball fans out there. You need your, yeah, you need your oblique to swing a baseball bat. That is a rough, rough loss. And that's another one. I, I don't know about you, but you, you see the lineups every day and he wasn't playing a lot. And I was kind of, I had a sneaky suspension. And they first said he had an oblique tweak or whatever they called it at the start. 
I thought, oh no, that, that sounds like it's more. And sure enough, uh, yeah. he's he's out for I don't know how long. And and the thing is, is that with the oblique is you really can't do too many baseball activities right because you can't really throw a ball because you still have that trunk rotation which is you know you know uses the oblique muscle um so really what what can you do is maybe work out on your legs do a little bit of running that's about it even then you want to just try to rest as much as possible exactly so and he's going to lose that time and he's been gaining in the same spring training the same injury i think wasn't the same injury that marcus simeon had last year he was dealing with i think so I think, and, and then, but Simeon was playing through it and it really, I mean, obviously you see his stats from last year, it really affected him. Yeah. And it, it is, see, and the thing is that uh, it, it's rough because that's a muscle that you need to engage for pretty much every single baseball activity. So, and it being a grade two strain really worries me because this is the same type of injury that Brett Laurie had. I don't know if you remember, but he was right. a ball of, you know, he's just bound way too tight and maybe that's why he tweaked his, his oblique, but it's, it's really hard to recover from it. And it's really easy to re-aggravate it. Right. So let's he, just hope he takes his time and, and really heals up. And he's needed, he's not a DH, right? He's our center fielder. So you need that, that healthy, healthy person out in center. So it's, it, it's worrisome for me. The Jays depth is better this year. I guess how good we'll find out. I guess it's kind of good that they didn't trade Grichik yet. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, I think Grichik will continue to maybe to put Oscar in center or they might keep, uh, who's that fourth outfielder they had. He was uh, playing last Jonathan night. Jonathan Davis. Jonathan Davis. I think he'll play, end up playing center. Um, and you know, he plays good defense. He's fast. At least I'm trying to look, I'm trying to look at the positives here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a, they have a lot. Remember that we talked about their depth. They're in pitching uh, the last couple of weeks. They don't have that number two starter. They were hoping Pearson would, they have a lot of, it looks like there's a lot of number four and number five guys. So hopefully with these injuries, a couple of guys step up, right? And we hope right. we, an Anthony Keg uh, gets, a, gets a shot. He steps up. Um, I don't think there's a chance of uh, Alex Manoa. No, I, I don't think so. I don't think he's worked his way up the, uh, the, the minor system too much yet. So I think he's probably slated to start in double A and then right. hopefully do triple A by the end of the summer. I mean, he looked great against the Yankees, yeah. but so did so did Woods Richardson. But uh, I, I, I don't, I don't think they're, you know, it's as fans we always like hope, yeah, let's send him in right away. But no, yeah. they need their development. Um, they need to work on things, and uh, I don't think they're there yet. We have guys that can weather the storm. I think for now, I mean, yeah. you can even need Baraki to pitch a few innings uh, to start spot spot start, I guess. Lariano. Yeah, and, and that's where we, we were talking in our other podcast was the uh, was the fact that they had all of these other starters that they were kind of hoarding. Uh, yeah. None of them were top-line starters, but there are guys that can kind of step up and fill in every once in a while, and it's for situations like this. Right? Yeah. So it's a good thing that they have these guys. So I'm, I'm guessing we're going to see Trent Thornton and uh, – and, you know, hopefully Thomas Hatch is okay, but, you know, Trent, Trent Thornton, you've got uh, Ryan Baraki, as you had said, Anthony I K. I mean, you know, we have, Yates is gone. We have Romano. Yeah, and Rafael Dolis. Exactly, right? It would have been nice to have that 7th, 8th, ninth inning covered, but now we still have that 8th and ninth. And like I was mentioned uh, at the start of the podcast, in the commentary yesterday, the Jays were talking to the Jays announcers, mostly Buck Martinez, 
uh, was talking about the fact that the Jays aren't looking to have a traditional closer this year. And that's kind of where baseball is headed, right? I don't know if you remember, I think I mentioned this a couple podcasts ago, but three years ago, the Indians used Andrew Miller in, uh, in the playoffs, but they weren't using him as a, and he was lights out. He was, yeah. They were using him as a closer. They're using him as that sixth inning and his base is loaded and you're up by a couple runs. Nobody out gets us coming in. And, and he would come in and pitch two innings. So they, exactly. They right? pitched so, him until his arm fell off. Baseball's kind of cyclical and it's kind of like, it's almost going back to the, you know, where there wasn't a, a traditional closer before. There was a guy that finished the game, but you'd have the guy that was, you know, who was uh, your best pitcher should pitch in your best situations. Right. So I hope. And maybe maybe somebody should tell that to Buck Showalter. <laughs> like in that wild card game. Please, please expand <laughs> on that. Well, in 2016 in the wild card game, uh the Orioles had probably the best closer in the game at the Zach, time. Zach Britton. Zach uh, Britton. Britton. And he yep. was uh in the bullpen, warmed up, ready to go. And they decided this, this to had an ERA under one. Yeah. Yeah. He he was lights out, and they left him in the bullpen, and Encarnacion just uh, jacked a homer off of uh, Ubaldo Jimenez. That's right. And the game, Ubaldo. yeah. And we were all, and everybody was waiting. They kept, I remember, even the, the Jays uh, on the bench were waiting. They were waiting for Britain to come in. Like yeah. it was just a matter of time, and then they never brought him in. See, and that's where Showalter was. That I'm the traditional, my closer. I'm only going to use him if I've got the lead because I'm away. Yeah. And he kept him and he should have put him in there when they were tied, but they didn't. And I, before I forget, uh, some other J- Jays news, uh, aside from these injuries, <laughs> Charlie Montoya got an extension. Yes. What do you think about that? I, I like it. I, I think he's uh, got a good rapport with the young guys. He's got a lot of experience dealing with younger players because he, he basically worked in the, uh, in the Rays minor league system for years. Um, so he understands the mentality of these new young guys as they're coming up and he's really strong into analytics, which I think is a good thing. Not so much the, the shifting and, and all those other weird things that they do with analytics, but I, I like the fact that he's very, you know, let's take a look at the video. Let's look at the tendencies of the pitchers. Let's look at the tendencies of the batters. And he works with that. And I think that's a great fit for a young team. So here's, my thoughts. I think <laughs> I to figure out how to word this. I mean, I'm not a huge fan. I, I like analytics. Don't get me wrong. I, I think there's a, a place in baseball for them. I don't like, like what happened in the world series. Kevin cash, no matter what happens was taking that picture out after the third time through the order. That yeah. he, he was not going to face that order again for a third time, no matter what. And he was pitching. Wasn't he pitching lights out? He was lights out. Yeah. Blake Snell. So I, I have, if you're going to have a manager that does that, why do you even have a manager? I mean, really, you could just, you have your GM sitting up in the box and then calling down to give them maneuvers because, or to have a computer, have a laptop set up there and <laughs> have it set up, have it, have it simulate the game. And then you know exactly what's happening. I, I like Charlie. I think he's a, he's a good presence. He's uh, obviously uh, he speaks Spanish, which is a huge Spanish influence or, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's a Spanish tongue in that, in that clubhouse. So he can speak, you know, with, with the players. I think that's great. I think he's, he gets along with the young guys. You're right. He reminds me a lot. And this, this seems to happen in baseball and it happens in every sport, but I see it more in baseball. The Jays had one when they first started, uh, their manager was Roy 
Hartsfield. And he was brought in because same thing, right? He was good with the young guys, good at development, good at development. But once they reach that point, right? So I, and this is what I think is going to happen. He's got a two-year extension. I honestly think in two years, the Jays will be really good, or at least the potential to be very good. Right. And they'll get rid of, they'll get rid of Charlie Montoya and bring in, who knows, you know, like a, a more experienced man, like Bobby Cox, when he came in, you know, right, a, right. a different, a different voice, uh, someone who's not uh, the development side, but more of the baseball managing side. Right. So that's, I, I mean, so, I, you, so you think that he's the right fit for now, but not for the future. hundred percent. I think he, and I think that's the plan. I think he's the fit right now for a young team. And you mentioned it, right. He's from the Rays farm system. How many years he spent in the minor leagues. Uh, then he was a bench coach, but he's, he's good at that development. Right. And that's, yeah. that's where they want him. And that's, and that's what they, and he's, he's, he's doing a great job. I think he's doing a, a you know, as, as good as can be expected out of a manager in, in Toronto right now with this team. Yeah. Do I think he'll be here in five years? No, no. And maybe I'll be surprised. Yeah. Who knows? Right. <laughs> who knows? But I, I would, I would, I would hazard a guess that he won't be, won't be around for in five years. They'll find, like a Tony La Russa. maybe Tony La Russa will come he'll be 104 <laughs> years old. Uh, that was more a DUIs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you can, if you can drive to Toronto. Uh, so moving on other Jays news. We want to talk a little bit about uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yes. He is having quite the spring training. Yep. He's, uh, he's hidden 520 with a 1.4 plus OPS, which right. is phenomenal. So OPS is uh, on base plus slugging. And uh, so what would an average, like an average player, what, what would their OPS be? So anybody who's, who has an OPS approaching the nine to one, so the, sorry, the 0.9 to one yeah. point something right. um, is an elite power hitter so what it does is it takes in, it takes in consideration not just um his hitting but it takes in consideration on base abilities and the fact that they're hitting for extra base hits so triples and doubles and so on so it's not just singles somebody who has a lot of singles is going to have a lower ops right right so he's essentially tearing the cover off the ball he is i think the last game of the game he hit a home run the ball came off his bat, so his velocity, his exit velocity, so the amount of force that is being transmitted through his bat in miles per hour, was 112 miles per hour for a home run. Yep. And his next at bat, he hit a single at 111 yep. miles per hour. Yep. And I know the big thing on Vlad is he's they're working on him to get the ball up in the air. Yeah. He's hit he hit too many ground balls. Uh, but I don't I don't know if I'm an infielder and a ball's coming at me at. 111 miles per hour. Yeah. I can barely catch a ball at 20 miles per hour. Yeah. And and so, so the thing with that is that he was pounding it into the ground right in front of the plate last year or not last year, the year before. Right. And that was, that was his main issue is that, you know, the ball is getting hit at a hundred miles an hour, but it's going straight into the dirt in front of the plate. And then it's slowly rebounding and rolling to the infielders. Right. But if he's hitting it at a hundred miles an hour and it's a line shot that like bounces, you know, 10 feet in front of a fielder, like an infielder, that's scary. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And he's, uh, and it looks like this, that's what he's been working on this spring. He's, I know we, and we, and we talk about spring stats and you, it's funny. If they're really bad, we'll say, yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Like, Hey, hey. look at him. 
But really, um, if he's working on this specifically, and I'll take any good news with, with Guerrero Jr. I think he's, I, I really, I honestly think, I think him and Telez are going to have breakout years. I hope so. But so next week, and I haven't, I haven't even, I haven't even talked to Ivan about this, but next week we'll have a, a uh, projection show. Uh, so we'll talk about uh, who we think, uh, where we where teams are going to fall in the standings, uh, manager of the year, rookie of the year, MVPs. And uh, we'll go through the Jays order and we'll try to predict what kind of batting average or home runs they're going to hit. So we'll, that'll be next week's episode. It should be, it should be a lot of fun. How many times so Mike Trout, is Mike Trout's name going to appear on that list? Yeah. <laughs> MVP Mike Trout. Uh, yeah. And you, did you see, uh, speaking of Mike Trout, did you see he, he's figured some things out. Oh, cause he gave, he, uh, he, gave, he gave a little interview uh, a couple of days ago and he said, uh, He's tweaked a, f- a few things in his swing. No, oh, Mike Trout is <laughs> Mike Trout has figured something out. It's going to hit 500 with 80 home runs. Wow. Anyways, uh, moving on to Jay's news, we have so we talked about Guerrero. He's tearing the cover off the ball, and I hope that continues. Um, the Jays have actually played some games on TV, which is actually nice to see. Yes, it was. So I, it's been nice to watch. I love watching baseball on a Sunday afternoon. You know, you got nothing going on. Just put the TV on and can't wait for the summer. Even last, even last night, a six thirty game was nice to watch under the lights. Yep. So has, has there anything, has there been anything that stood out for you watching them live? Um, well, let's just say their defense isn't as good as I was hoping it would be. Right. <clears throat> There's a couple of errors, a couple of misplays that were just kind of, oh, geez. Yeah, some sloppy defense, right? And that was something that that hindered them last year. And I thought they might uh, might get fixed, but and it is spring training. And I know there was a play last last night, and we talked about this before the podcast. Uh, Simeon made a throw to third. And it was just it's funny they they show the the replay on TV, and it's uh, Simeon. You see, as, as soon as he lets go of the ball, you can see his face like ah no, I make, I can't believe I made that throw, and it was you know, over his head two-run score yeah right so and and i saw um, that there was a play at third as well where uh gritchick was trying to throw somebody out at third and, Biggio, and they would have had him yeah they would have had him and bgo couldn't handle I, I took a weird hop like uh, after i looked at the replay i saw that it kind of yeah. like it took a, a right hand turn or left hand turn on him so yeah it was yeah. a tough play but they were saying that those are the types of plays that a, a, a major league third baseman needs to make right and i mean and, and we'll give Simeon and Biggio a pass on those, right? Because they're both playing out of position, yeah. technically. I mean, Biggio is a second baseman playing third, and we have Simeon's a shortstop playing second. They're both major leaguers. They should make that play, but uh, it's not regular season yet. So maybe those are the kinks they're, they're starting to work out now. Hopefully, Gritchick looked good in right field, except for the time he almost cried, where he did crash into the wall, and I, I couldn't look. I, I was terrified. <laughs> I think every Jays fan was holding their breath for a second. Nice catch. And you're, and and you mentioned this before the podcast again was that you know he's playing for a job yeah so he's he's going all out and it's nice to see but man you don't want to get anybody else injured well that's exactly it i mean it's i mean it was unnecessary i mean it's it's spring training i get that he's playing for a job and and you know it's still a game and all these guys they're professional athletes so of course they're going to play all out all the time but oh my goodness it's it's spring training man you don't you don't need to go all out and run head first into a wall or shoulder first into a wall. I, I mean, I wonder if Montoya had a little conversation with him after saying, Hey, I, I like, I like the hustle. Yeah. But, uh, 
as uh, as that line goes in, in the movie Major League, don't ever effing do it again. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I was, I was, I was a little worried. Another thing that struck me when I was watching these games, uh, Kirk didn't get a hit last night. I don't think, but he's fun. He sure is fun to watch. He is fun to watch. Eh? He's uh, I, I'm going to call it. He's going to, he's going to make the team. I think they will, I think they'll release McGuire, but we've already covered that to the nth degree. But another thing I noticed, I don't like Tanner Rourke. <laughs> it's a pitcher. Oh my goodness. That, that was a brutal start. Was, I found it weird that he came out of one inning. Yep. And then went in for another inning. Right. Like he, he, right. he was taken out of the game and they let another guy finish the inning and then he went back out. Yeah. So I guess I, that was just so they can get his work in. That was it. He just to get his pitch, pitch count up. And yeah. that's another, yeah, it's that spring training thing, right? There, you basically make whatever rule you want. I, he did not look good. He got against a, what will be the opening day lineup, I'm sure, for the Yankees. He got crushed. Yeah. Even Stripling looked. I mean, the two runs weren't Stripling's fault yesterday. Two of them, two of the three. Right. He looked all, he looked all right. He looked I mean, all right. They both look like fifth starters, right? That's exactly the thing, right? We've got a yeah. whole bunch of four and five starters. starters. <laughs> like when Kay came in in relief uh, the day before from, for Rourke, uh, he got hit a little bit before that, but he looked good. And so did Lariano last night. So there's, I mean, there is some upside. It's, uh, but man, I, I, I got a little deflated watching Rourke pitch against the Yankees. I, I, I don't know what the Jays saw in Rourke to begin with, but I mean, they're smarter than me, I'm sure, in baseball wise. So they saw something. I don't, I don't see it still. I, I, I think in any, other, in any other good team, he'd be a fifth starter, maybe, and even in the bullpen. Yeah, that's a long man, swing man kind of thing. Yeah, but, but Matt's pitched really well the day before. And we've said that before, right? In the past couple of podcasts, he's looked really good, and he's—I mean, he, if he pitches like that, he's your number two starter. Yeah, I mean, I, I know the position of your rotation doesn't really matter after the first series, anyways. But uh, he looks—he looks really good throwing strikes. Robbie Ray look, looks good. I mean. But we're, we're, we're there's a lot of hopes pinned on these guys, right? That's we're just, the thing. Yeah, that's the thing is that we're we've got a lot of hopes and you know expectations on these guys that ugh, I just don't think they're attainable. That's I mean uh, it at least not for everybody, right? Right. The odds are someone one of the, one of those guys who we're kind of hoping to have a breakout season or a breakout year is going to fall in their face. Yeah, this a lot of has to go right <laughs> for the Jays to make the playoffs this year. A lot will have to go right, yeah. especially with losing Yates. I mean, now we're now we need someone else in the bullpen. Um, but well, anyways, we'll, we'll talk about that, I'm sure, a little bit more next week. Yeah. Also came out uh, the Major League Baseball Pipeline announced their top farm systems, and the Jays finished number seven, which, which is... That's good. Yeah, I mean, uh, Ross Atkins, who I guess they're looking at extending, and uh, Shapiro have done a great job at rebuilding a decimated farm system, especially when you consider five years ago, they weren't even ranked. Yeah. Cause I guess they only ranked, ranked the top 15 at that time. Now they do all of them, but at that time it was a top 15 they weren't even ranked five years ago. So, and they have uh, Nate Pearson, who's they're still uh, considering, considering a prospect. He's number six in the top 100 prospects of baseball. Yeah. Uh, Austin Martin's number 16. Groshans we talked about last week on our blue chip and dip segment is number 70. 
And then who's the guy we'll talk about later on tonight? Uh, Woods Richardson is ranked number 93. 93 at 19 years old. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Alex Manola, he's unranked, but he's one of their top prospects. So ahead of the Jays are the Rays, uh, Tigers, Mariners, Marlins, Orioles, Padres, and then the Jays. So the things that stood out to me, the Rays seem to always have like just a gluttony of, <laughs> of riches, right? I think what teams should start doing is just, you know, find their their scouts and just follow them around. <laughs> <laughs> just call, just sit behind them and then in the in the stands and just kind of look over their shoulder. <laughs> Uh, Tigers who are, you know, they have a, we brought, we watched them last night and they just, I mean, they're, they kind of look like the Jays did about three years ago, four years ago, and they're waiting for their younger guys to develop. And there's a couple of guys on the cusp of, of making it. Mariners seem like they're going to have a good team. Marlins always have again, well, they've, after all the trades they made as soon as Jeter bought the team. I mean, I sure hope you have a good farm system. Yeah, exactly. The Orioles. Uh, I never trust the Orioles. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. They, they, they're, they have some players that kind of stand out, but nothing spectacular. The one good, and this is a total side note, but the one good thing about the Orioles is Trey Mancini in spring training is batting over 340. Oh, there you go. It's nice to see a guy come back from cancer to, at least he's hitting again. So it's, you know, it's yeah. good. And then the Padres, which that's scary. The yeah. Padres are in the number six farm system and they have that $300 million infield. I mean, they're gonna be a good team for a long time. And one of their top prospects is a shortstop, right? Who's blocked by some guy named Fernando Tatis Jr. So never heard of him. Never heard of him, eh? Is he related to Fernando <laughs> Tatis Sr.? Yeah, he's yeah. Like, and then he, he can't put him at third because you got and Machado. Machado was a third. I mean, I guess maybe there. I guess they, I've heard talks are gonna trade their second baseman. I can't remember his name at the moment. Cronenberg. Cronenberg, that's it. So they're going to move Cronenberg, maybe move Cronenberg. So maybe put that prospect to second or the outfield. I mean, that's what, that's what the Jays are going to do with Austin Martin, right? Yeah. So that's the Jays. Our farm system looks good. It's continuing to look good. I, I just, I hope we continue that development, right? And with the new facility, I think, you know, I think we're going to continue that trend upwards. Yep. I think they were ranked uh, last preseason last year. I think we were ranked 16th. Were they, were they that? Oh yeah, because that's right. They had already graduated uh, Biggio and Bichette. Bichette, yeah. So, so once they graduate, those guys, their numbers just whoop, drop again, down. but then back up again to seven. So yeah, good for them. So we'll move on to our around the horn segment where we talk a little bit about less about the Jays and a little bit more about goings on the Major League Baseball. And uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about I can't pronounce his first name, but also I'm just going to call him by Otani, unless <laughs> Sho- you can. Shohei, Shohei, Otani. Shohei, Shohei. Shohei. <laughs> So Otani <laughs> is batting 636. He's 14 for 22 in spring training. <laughs> Four home runs. Like that is that is video game numbers. Yeah. Uh, like that's that's time to increase your difficulty on MLB the show. Yeah. And you should stop playing at rookie level and play a veteran. Um, he's and, and not only is he hitting the ball, he's hitting the radar gun at 101. 101. What do you think of Otani? I, so I was worried about him uh, being able to pitch again. Well, not worried. I mean, uh, worried as in like, he's a good player and he's, he's put up great numbers in the past. So when he had that blowout of his elbow, it was kind of worrisome that would he ever be able to hit to pitch again? And the fact that he's a a really good hitter, 
maybe he would just end up being a, a batter from, you know, going forward. And he does right. play outfield as well. Yeah. Um, but you, you got to respect a guy who can do it both ways. Right. That's something we haven't really seen. In Not our majors. generation. No. Just, well, since what, like, you know, maybe like Babe Ruth. <laughs> well, yeah, exa- yeah, exactly. I mean, we have a couple pitchers who can hit a little bit, a little bit by hit. We mean like 200, yeah. maybe Jack one out. Yeah, because you got like Mad B- Madison Baumgartner, who's you know known to be a, a good power good. hitting pitcher, like you did four or five a year. But Rick and Keel, like, before he had the yips, yeah, he, he couldn't hit the side of a barn. <laughs> <Let's> <laughs> Pitching wise, that's right. So yeah, I mean, it's been an, it's kind of a one in a, one in a, once in a generation talent, right? We get to see and his his pitching, and I mean, and this is the part where I said, you know, in spring training, don't worry about the stats. So on one side, we're looking at his numbers uh, hitting wise, you're like, wow, it's fantastic. I hope he keeps that up. And then pitching wise, he's 0-2 with a 7.88 ERA, eight innings pitched, 14 strikeouts, and a 2.0 whip. Right. And he's coming off Tommy John. So I'm going to give him a pass, right? Because right. and, and, and I don't pitching. know, maybe he's just trying to work on breaking stuff. Yeah. For the Tommy John surgery. Maybe he's just trying to, you know, find a feel for his, his breaking stuff. And that's why he's, you know, but he's hitting one-on-one. I mean, if you're hitting one-on-one, I just throw fastballs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, moving on uh, around the league, Bobby Witt Jr., who is the number one prospect for the Royals. Uh, Dayton Moore, the GM of the, uh, the Royals, last week said, don't be surprised if Bobby Witt Jr. breaks camp and is our starting center fielder. Well, Bobby Witt Jr. got demoted to <laughs> Class A this week. Uh- I smell uh, service time manipulation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, that was my first thought. I mean, he did, I mean, he hit a 480 foot, 484 foot home run, which that's incredible. Yeah. But they want him to play center field and he's never played center field in professional ball. Yeah. So, so I think that's also, a, I think he's a shortstop if I'm not he mistaken. Is. He's right? a, he's, and he's and right now they have um, a, an Alberto Mondesi who's kind of, been their starting shortstop for the last few seasons uh well since yeah. uh since their well, who was his name that was the shortstop there that when they played against the jays ah i can't remember but anyways anyways mondesi is a uh is a gold glove level shortstop yeah so moving him out of his position would be tough so then you'd say okay well let, they could move him to third but then they've got hanser alberto or not third, but to second base. And then you got Hanser Alberto, who's doing a really good job at second base right now for them too. So it, it is a tough decision for Kansas City. And if they feel that they have to move him to center field, then maybe moving him to uh, the minors to work on that is a good plan. What do you think? I, I think so. I, I didn't, I mean, I think it was it's a lot of hype, I think, from the GM to say he might break camp. I mean, Maybe he said it in the spur of the moment. I, I don't, I, I didn't think, especially if they wanted to play center field, I don't think he was ever going to break camp, but it was nice to see. Yeah, I think the, the shortstop you're looking at, I just looked it up. I think the shortstop is Escobar. Escobar, es- that's it. LCD's Escobar. LCD's Escobar. Yeah. He's a good player. Yep. And it just so happened, I guess, the major, the major stuff happening in, in baseball is the, uh, is, uh, the Royals. They signed their catcher Perez to a four-year, eighty-two million dollar contract extension. What do you yeah, think of that? I, I 
I'm kind of, <laughs> so yeah. it's, I don't, I can't see a good reason to offer such a large contract to a catcher on the wrong side of 30. Right. Right. That's, that's tough. Cause the catching position is the most, you know, demanding position physically. I know he's been durable, right. but can he maintain that for another four years? I don't right. think so. I, I was, uh, I mean, I didn't know a lot about Salvador Perez till you know this contract happened. I knew he played well against the Blue Jays, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, and, and he's probably the best player in the Royals for the past couple of years, except for the year he was out Tommy John surgery for a whole year. Uh, but I looked looking at his stats. I mean, last year I think he played thirty-seven games, roughly, or twenty-seven games. Anyways, he batted three thirty-three, three fifty-three on base, six thirty something slugging. But prior to that, uh, he's, he's got a 269 average, which, I mean, is a catcher. That's not bad. Yeah. 300 on base. Horrible. Yeah. 499 slugging. Uh, I mean, sorry. Right. I, I, I can, I, and I, apparently the GM is a big fan of Salvador Perez. So he's a. The, the thing with Perez is that he's the best defensive catcher since Yadi Molina. Right. Because he's got yeah. what five how many see it? One, two, three, four, five gold gloves. <laughs> so he's so you're you're essentially paying him for your def- his defense, right? And he hits right. a little bit. So I mean I I can see where they're they're kind of going with that. You're gonna I mean, he's gonna be the 34-year-old catcher. Is he gonna catch in four years? No. I don't think not. so. You mentioned this before the post. We can see him playing first base, DH you know, in a couple of years, yeah. uh, that's that position. We, we've seen it with catchers that with big bats, right? Um, Craig Biggio went from catching a second base early in his career, mind you. Yes. <laughs> but, but they wanted to save his knees specifically because yeah. he's such a good hitter. Um, Joe Maurer, again, mo- moved to first base towards the end of his career. And we're starting to see Buster Posey play at first a little bit too. So. Yeah. So, you know, and that, and it's just, you know, that's all because of the wear and tear and injury possibilities. Right. So, Kind of extends her career a little bit playing first or uh, for in Biggio's case playing second base, but uh, I, th- I, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm kind of, I, uh, I could care less. Yeah. <laughs> I well, guess. It's not my, it's not my money. <laughs> no, it's not my money, not my team. So really you want to pay your catcher for four years. Yeah. I, I think they're just paying him. I mean, he, I, th- I think it's just paying him the respect as being their franchise player over the last, you know, seven or eight seasons now. Yeah. Uh, and like, you know, he's, I guess he's earned it. So. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll move on. That's, uh, you have anything else you want to talk about regarding around the league? Anything else you can think of? Ivan? No, I, I think we kind of covered uh, the big headlines. I know that coming down this summer, I think we want to talk a little bit more about the ball and, yeah, all that stuff, and we'll do a little bit of research and and find some really good stats to to talk about. It's a really interesting topic, and and keep an eye out for our upcoming episodes about. Uh, yeah, we've uh, we've talked for those listening. We've talked about uh, this this base the change in the baseball, and it's kind of led me and Ivan down this rabbit hole of like <laughs> finding all these articles, and it's a really interesting. Uh, and I don't know any sport that the ball affects the outcome of a game as much as a baseball does. Right. Right. And we'll talk about that. And I think it might be a, just a, it'd probably take up a whole 
podcast to talk about this, uh, the research we've done on it. Yeah. I mean, other than football and deflate gate, I guess, uh, <laughs> but really there's, it's, it's a football. It's, it's, as long as it's a certain weight and there's supposed to be people there determining what weight it is. Basketball, same thing. I mean, it's hockey pucks or hockey pucks, but it seems like a, for some, whatever reason, baseballs have these different compositions to it every year and there's some fly one year others don't and uh it's very secretive yes so i think uh that'll be in a future episode we'll talk about probably in a slower days of the summer we'll talk about uh what we've what we've discovered regarding or uncovered <laughs> regarding the covers on the baseballs uh, moving on to our blue chip and dip uh section segment for those new new listening to this we have Every week, a segment where we talk about a Jays prospect. So this week, we decided we're going to talk a little bit about Simeon Woods Richardson. Yes. So Simeon, for those of you who, who aren't aware, is a 20-year-old uh, prospect that the Jays uh, di- acquired through a um, trade with the New York Mets. Right. He's listed at six foot three, two hundred and ten pounds. But it seems like ever since he got drafted, he's always been six foot three, two hundred and ten pounds. So he's um, he's got the right height and sort of the a decent uh, body weight, I guess you could say, like the body weight to height ratio. Um, I'd like to see maybe another 15, 20 pounds on him just to kind of help accentuate it. it it's kind of tough, right? Like for pitchers that there's like a, you know, some pitchers that if they're undersized that affects their durability. And then of course, if they're overweight, then it also affects their durability and their, and their stamina. Um, so, but he's right. still young and he's still growing into his body, I guess. Right. Right. And he was drafted out of high school, uh, Kepner high school. I believe that's in Texas. He's second round draft pick in 2018. And uh, what's interesting about his, uh, when he was drafted, he was, um, in a Buffalo Wings restaurant with a bunch of his teammates who thought he's there to support getting drafted. And I guess everybody had cleared out. And then by the second round, his phone lit up, I think it was by 1130 at night and it's his agent. And then say the Mets had drafted him. So um, this, so again, he was, he was traded uh, from the Mets to the Jays for the, uh, for Stroman. Yep. And he was, he was the, he was the piece, right? I he mean, was the piece they wanted. Yeah. Anthony Kay was, uh, I don't want to say a throw in, but he was the, the undercard, I guess. Yeah. I think what the Jays were looking for was we want a young prospect and somebody who's on the cusp of being major league ready. Right. Uh, he was, he was offered a, a full uh, scholarship to the university of Texas, but he decided to, to sign with the Mets cause he was offered a uh, $1.85 million signing bonus. So if you're offering me almost $2 million in signing bonus, I'm probably going to sign with the Mets too. Yep. So Mets, if you're listening, I'm available or <laughs> you know what? I'll even I'll, 1.5. He, he's got a, a mean knuckleball. <laughs> I do have a mean knuckleball and I'm a lefty. Uh, I'm not going to mention the fact I'm 44 years old. <laughs> uh, I just did. So uh, looking at his stats, we're looking at a little bit of the two seasons of professional ball. He's played in. he's seven and 10 with a 348 ERA, 124 innings pitched. He's given up 111 hits. 28 walks and he struck out 97 that's going on some stats from class a ball though and he seemed to he's when he got to dunedin from the mets to dunedin he's seen his games picked up right he was three and two in dunedin a 254 era 
21, 28.1 innings pitched. He's only given up 18 hits, only seven walks, and 29 strikeouts in 28 innings. Right. So you're looking at those stats. That's kind of the trend you want him to develop in. And last year, right, there's no minor league system. So he was in their professional development camp. Yeah. So he was, you know, he was facing real hitters. So you know, major league, major league ready guys, right? So the word has it that over the spring, um, he really impressed a lot of, uh, of the executives in the, uh, Jays front office, really yeah. his play. And not to say that he was going to make the major league roster. I, I don't think it was ever the case, but I think it really helped the Jays really understand that, you know what, we've got a guy that's ready to go if we ever needed to. And he's, he's, you know, moving up the, the, the minor league uh, system pretty quickly. So we'll see how he performs this year. And, but if he keeps going the way he was in the spring, he'll do pretty well. Yeah. I think he'll obviously he's his goal. He, and he said this, that he wants to break camp as a blue Jay uh, with the major league club. And I mean, I think that's the ultimate goal of anybody when you get to blue Jays camp. Um, but I mean, he, he hasn't and won't uh, he'll probably start off the year. I would, I would imagine in double a. Yeah. And I think he'll finish the season in AAA, and he, maybe he in September he gets he the gets call a call up, up right? Yeah. Depends on on how he is. What I really like about Woods Richardson, and from watching him, he's got a. He's, they said he's got one of the best curveballs in the Jays organization. Period. Yes. At 20 years old, uh, it's a 12. It's a 12 to six curveball, and then he's got and he's a fast worker. He averages 15 seconds per pitch. That reminds me of Mark Burley, right? And that's the that is. I mean, again, I keep saying this on podcasts, but I've never played Major League Baseball, but it seems to me that at least when I play softball, you, you want just pitch the ball. Let's let, let's go. I don't yeah. want to stand around, right? So the more you get your fielders involved and the pitches go by, and apparently there's, you know, guys are trying to throw off his timing. They'll step out of the box, but he's he's got a great attitude. If you read some of his, his, uh, his comments, he says he's a 34-year-old man in a 20-year-old body. Uh, he's pretty mature for his age. And he, he says about people trying to step out of the box in order to get time between his pitches. He says, well, they got to step in the box eventually. Exactly. So, I mean, I, I really, I think from what I've seen, and I don't want to put, um, not that I'm putting pressure. He's not going to hear me <laughs> but, uh, uh, in case he's listening. Uh, and I think he's going to be probably the Jays. He, he could be an ace. He could be. Right or number two, number three guy at the very least. Number three, I think he's a, a two two starter. But man, he looked really good against the Yankees. Right, and and what really, really kind of makes my day is the fact that he's got his control at twenty. Right, which is really hard to find in a twenty year old that can control his pitches. Right? right, that's going. I mean, that's going back to I just gave the stats about uh, Dunedin. Right, he's in twenty eight innings. He's only given up seven walks. Yeah. I mean, and nothing's more infuriating to me for me as giving up walks. Yeah, I, it drives me bananas. I, I mean, there are times and places for it. Obviously, you know, you can't. Oh, you, you mean strategy-wise, you're not, not going to pitch to the heart of the order with a guy in scoring position. You're going to pitch around him. Sure, yeah. you give one or two walks, but throw the ball with the plate. And that's that's the name of the game. And and that's what you've and that's where yeah you see the maturity in that uh, that you've talked about and that's something that you see in those in those veteran pitchers is attacking the strike zone you know avoiding the walks as much as you possibly can and just and just pitching 
And if he can do that, great. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think he's got a long career ahead of him. I think, and hopefully it's majority of it is with the Toronto Blue Jays. I think that was a great steal for the, for the Jays. I'm not a, I don't I don't like, what are your thoughts on Marcus Stroman? I'm not, a, I'm not a huge fan, but. I, I liked his, his intensity and his willingness to compete every single game. I hated the fact that he was constantly on social media whining about all kinds of stuff. Right. And that's a good point. I, I was also, I mean, I, it's one of those guys you love to hate, right? When he was at the Jays, I mean, I, I love that competitiveness, that fire. I mean, if I, if there's a, a game on the line he's the guy I wanted to have the ball. Right. But you're right. That other stuff, the headaches, the clubhouse stuff. I don't know how he was in the clubhouse, but I mean the, like the, just be right. The constant social media just causing a distraction. And exactly. I think, I think the Jays and his whole gimmick about, you know, pausing on the mound with his leg kick. I, I don't know how, like, I don't even know how much that affects hitters. I don't know. Johnny Cueto does it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a trend he's starting. I, it looks, I mean, I'm sure major league baseball is going to put a stop to it eventually. I don't know how that's not a balk, but yeah, anyway. it's, 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 yeah, the balk is a tough one, right? Cause it's, there are so many rules that well, any, basically it's any deception towards a base runner. Right. And to me in the middle of your leg kick, I mean, I guess he does. I'm, so I'll backtrack here. I guess he doesn't do it when there's a runner on base because he can't. He has, he has to use a slide step. Right. But uh, I, I, again, I, I'm glad good on the Mets. Yeah. <laughs> they have a really good, they have a good put, pitching staff, and he's he's part of it. So yeah. would I like to have Marcus Stroman on the J staff right now? Yeah. 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 Anybody <laughs> who can who can get you some wins. <laughs> anybody who throw a ball. Anybody. Anybody. Again, Blue Jays. I'm 44 years old. I can throw a knuckleball. I can give you a lot of innings. Lefty. <laughs> lefty, yeah. Lefty knuckleball. Uh, I can give you a lot of innings. Don't, doesn't mean there'll be good innings, <laughs> but there'll be something. <laughs> uh, I'm healthy, at least, uh, minus the artificial hip. Uh, I'm the Bo Jackson of pitching. Anyways, uh, so next week, I think we're going to talk a little bit about uh, predictions for this upcoming season. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I think we're going to uh, – we'll go through the Jays lineup, kind of predict where people are going to finish uh, – this is, uh, if you ever listen to uh, the podcast um, from Shai Davidi and Ben Nicholson-Smith, I think it's called, and the name is At the Letters. At the Letters. They do a, they do a show every year called, uh, where they, they, they like higher low, right? Kind of, uh, girls going to hit 25 home runs, higher, lower, whatever you think. So right. it's kind of a, it's, it's kind of a fun uh, take. We'll do ours a little bit differently kind of predicting uh, where everybody's going to finish in, in baseball and see where we finish at the end of the year. It'd be kind of interesting to see. Yeah. If you have any predictions, we can be reached at fansfromthestands at gmail.com. Love to hear your comments. We uh, hope to hear from you guys soon. So for, uh, for Ivan, for me, uh, have a good week, everybody, and we'll uh, talk to you next week. See you next week, guys.